Welcome back. If you missed earlier the show, Ben Davis was on with a fascinating scenario in which Reese Hoskins would leave the Phillies. Uh, they would re-sign Gene Segura for third base, and Alec Bone would move to first. We're going down to the San Diego baseball meetings at 9.30 with our Todd Zalecki right. to find out what's next. Because that Trey Thomas, uh, Trey Turner thing was just the beginning of what could be a very active uh, offseason. Yep. We got that coming up. But on the line with us right now is a man who puts all of it into perspective like no other. He is a brilliant columnist at TheAcquire.com. Works right here at WIP. Our friend Mike Sielski. Hi, Mike. Morning, Angelo. So, Mike, I read your column where the game that the Eagles played against the Titans shows they are a potential Super Bowl team. And then I found out from ESPN that they are not. So I'm trying to get I'm trying to find out who to believe here. What was so impressive to you about the game against Tennessee? The manner in which they won it offensively, uh, the fact that they had run roughshod over the Packers the week before for 363 rushing yards, and then come back and have Jalen Hurts throw for 380 uh, and three touchdowns against a team that's regarded as one of the toughest in the NFL. I know it's been said before, but it bears repeating. It looks like the Eagles can beat you any way you want to be beaten. Uh, and as kind of the cherry on top, they tied up the two loose ends that had had everybody worried for, the, you know, for most of the season, their run defense and their special teams. They were much better in both of those regards, too. And actually, if you look at their numbers over the last few weeks, they actually have been better against the run in a lot of respects. So to me, it took them from being a team where you would say, boy, the Super Bowl is a possibility, to, okay, now the Super Bowl is a reasonable expectation. Mike, do you think that the team as a whole has taken on the very modulated personality of Jalen Hurts? They seem very calm. They seem to be handling these challenges easily. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the fact that they still have plenty of terrific leaders in that locker room who aren't Jalen Hurts, guys who have been through it and come out the other side, guys like Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and uh, some of the other guys in that locker room uh, that we all know. Uh, but I think Hurts is a big part of it. You know, I was saying this to somebody yesterday, Angelo. There, there wasn't a play in that game Sunday where you kind of closed your eyes at what Hurts did and thought, oh, no, that's a bad play. I yeah. think we got accustomed to seeing that from certainly Carson Wentz and other Eagles quarterbacks over the years. And Hurts, to, to kind of put it simply, Hurts doesn't do dumb stuff. And I think that goes a long way uh, to explaining why this team is 11-1. and one. That is so true. What is it like to write about him, Mike? I mean, he seems very uh, uh, kind of uh, – uh, he's got a wall up. It's really hard to get through. What is it like to, to try to get behind that? Well, I think that there are certain topics where he lets the wall come down. Uh, I, my colleague Jeff McClain did a terrific piece about Jalen earlier this year talking about the Eagles' legacy with black quarterbacks, and Jalen was up on that topic and knew it well and was happy to talk in depth about Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham and Donovan McNabb. And I also think that Jalen is like a lot of athletes – where if you show him that you've put the work in to ask what hopefully is a smart question, he will give you a detailed, smart answer. Uh, you see guys act like that a lot, where you have to show them that you've put in the work. Uh, you can't just walk up to him and say, hey, how's it feel to be 11-1? and one? <laughs> You've got to show that you're watching the games and, and understanding what's happening on the field. 
Damn, that was my first question if I ever get him on. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious, though, uh, what does Sirianni like to cover? Because I'm noticing now, Mike, the answers are very elaborate. Uh, what, is he evolving? Is he changing? What's, what's going on with covering the coach? Well, they're long, and they can be elaborate at times, but I also think that, that he's tending a little more towards being – uh, a little more protective and a little more guarded in some ways. You know, he, he cuts off questions about injuries very quickly now uh, without expanding those answers. Mm. I think he's just a naturally talkative uh, person. He's a people person, I think, at heart. I think you see that, quite honestly, uh, when he brings his kids or his son up to the podium uh, or the, the dais with him after a game, as he did after Sunday's game. Uh, but, you know, that you can be talkative and not say a whole lot. And sometimes... Nick can do that. Sometimes he's very revealing. Sometimes he says a lot, and you read the transcript or you listen to the tape, and you're like, yeah, there's not really anything there I can use because it's not all that insightful. <laughs> Interesting. All right, uh, should Am I falling into a trap here with this ESPN thing, Mike, where they're, they're basically – they reported yesterday that a team of analytics guys are saying that the Cowboys have a significantly better chance to go to the Super Bowl than the Eagles despite the records. Am I – I mean – is that a way – is there any analytics that would actually indicate that, or are they just trying to stir stuff up? No, I don't think they're trying to stir stuff up. I think – I'm sure there are analytics that show that. And actually, you know, that game on Christmas Eve uh, at AT&T Stadium is still going to be pretty important because if the Cowboys keep winning uh, and the Eagles lose a game or two, if, that, if let me put it this way, Angelo. The Cowboys seem to hold most of the tiebreakers against the Eagles. So if the Eagles come out of that game – on Christmas Eve with the same record as the Cowboys, the Cowboys are going to be ahead of them in the division. Now, you know, they're not there yet, um, but it's possible. And so, look, the NFL has become a league over the last several years where the best team in the conference doesn't necessarily get to the Super Bowl. Look, we saw it last year, right? The Bengals and the Rams got hot at the right time, uh, and they made it to the Super Bowl. The Eagles lost their starting quarterback in 2017. They were a different team from the one that had that had gotten off to that great start and been the number one seed in the conference, and they got to the Super Bowl. So uh, there isn't a measure of unpredictability to all of this that I think it's reasonable to say, hey, the Cowboys are a factor. Are they a clear-cut favorite over the Eagles? Yeah, that, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. All right, let me get to the, the uh, Phillies for a couple of days. My, when I hear 11 years and $300 million for a baseball player, my head spins. Uh, have you been able to tune all that out now because there's so many of these contracts like that? Yeah, look, the Phillies aren't really paying for 11 years of Trey Turner here. They're paying for five or six years of Trey Turner here. And the reason the contract is 11 years in length is because that cuts down the average annual value of it. So you're not paying him $40 million over six years. You're paying him you know, $30 million over 11 and that allows you more flexibility in the here and now to try to improve the team and build it into one that can win a World Series. So I don't look at this and say, oh, my God, Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million, that's insane. That's the market value. Uh, you know, The reporting has borne that out, that the San Diego Padres, I believe, made a better financial offer yeah. to Trey Turner, and all the Phillies had to do was get close because he was so interested in coming here. Isn't that interesting? And that leads to my last question. Listen closely because it's a trick question. <laughs> Who do you think is a better GM in our city, um, Howie Roseman or Bryce Harper? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, 
you know, Harper's presence is helping the Phillies out a lot. It really is. Uh, and it's, it's kind of cool to see Philadelphia in baseball becoming a destination place. And I think Harper and the changes that the Phillies have made over the last few years uh, have allowed Philadelphia to become that kind of place. Isn't that incredible that his name has brought other people here? It's incredible. Mike, great stuff as always, Mike. Don't miss reading him. He's great every day. Mike Seals Angela, can, I, can, I, can yes. I, before you cut me off, just one yep. quick plug here. Yep. Yes. Uh, Wednesday night uh, at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap at, in Bridgeport, 630 to 830. Glenn now is hosting the Philadelphia Sports Holiday Gift Extravaganza. Ray Dinger is going to be there selling his books. I'm going to be there selling mine. Zach Berman from The Athletic. Charlie Manuel will be there. It's going to be an awesome event. If people could make it, it, that would be terrific. Say it again. We're exactly where it is there, Mike. Uh, it is at Puddler's Kitchen and Tap, Bridgeport, 3 DeKalb Street, 630 to 830 p.m. Sounds like a terrific event. Mike, thank you as always. And Mike's got a great book out on Kobe Bryant. Ray Dittage's, oh man, he's got several great books, but the book he wrote called Un- uh, A Finished Business yes. is phenomenal. I saw the piece that NFL Films did on him. Yep. It listen, NFL Films does a great thing and they had a, they had a great